Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, welcome back, everybody. If you're looking to make changes to your existing home, maybe you're looking to design one, build one, start fresh. Got somebody for you. I always know somebody. I, I, I know her, and she's going to help you out. There are seven steps involved to the process. Redesigning or starting from fresh, we're going to go through those today. She is a designer, a builder, a contractor, all of the above and so much more. Julie Lawton joins us on the program. Hello, Julie. Welcome. Thank you, Steve. I'm happy to be here. I thought I'd do my podcast outdoors. That's one of the most beautiful jobs I've ever had. Here we go. <laughs> Somewhere off the coast of California is where you are. Um, tell us, Tell us more and show us more. Well, I'm in Laguna Beach at a special place called Camel Point. It's a private street, and it's got a point that looks like a camel's back, and I'm standing at the point of the camel. So the beach goes both directions, you know, three, uh, 180. And then behind me, of course, is the beautiful home. So you have the home behind me, and you can look it up on the Internet. I'm not going to give the address, but you'll see it on my website, okay? So wow. we're, loving, we're lovingly restoring this home because it's changing hands. And like all homes... It's just yearly maintenance, and it's quite extensive if you let it go, but it's just yearly maintenance. And I don't think a lot of people realize how much work it is to do this at the beach. Your home has to be worked on every year when you live at the beach like this. I mean, check this out. Wow. Insane. Yeah, and we take it for granted. We just think, hey, it's great living at the beach. Yeah, it's you know great weather and just great views and everything, but no... There's, you know, you have the salt spray, you have the sun, you have lots of wind that you wouldn't get if you were inland. Um, let's talk about that in terms of the maintenance on a, a home like that, yearly maintenance. What's involved? Okay, you got to look at your caulking, of course, and because the joints, you know, from the cold, the hot, and the salt air eating the metal. So you got your caulking, your metal has to be rubbed down. You can use like surface wax, but you got to protect it and give it a, a coating. And then you have the paint job goes faster at the beach. So you, you could repaint your eaves and your your house every year, technically. It's amazing how much goes into getting the salt up. But instead of painting it every year, all you really have to do is wash it with ionized water, which is soft water, not salt water, but soft water. And you just pay someone to wash your house regularly to keep the salt off it from eating away at everything. So that's like the easiest thing to do. How does it keep the salt at bay if you're just washing it with you know certain type of water, obviously? But how often do you have to do that? Is right? I would do it every quarter or okay. once a year is for sure. But you don't want the salt to get in it and eat away because what happens if if your house is protected with paint and caulking and like a wax on your um on your finishes, it can't eat it. So it's normal for it to go through metal. Um, over time, but if you keep a finish on it and you have thick metal, it doesn't happen. But the point is, how do you keep it from happening? Is just don't let it get into the cracks yeah. and don't let it get into any voids. Keep all the joints protected so it can't get in there. If it can't get in, then it never, it doesn't grow. It just stays on the surface and you just w wash it off. You could wash it every month if you wanted to, but you know, or if it rains and that does it, but, um, yeah, but it's just the fact that you stay ahead of the painting. Don't let the painting chip. Don't let the, the caulking go away. It, it, once it gets into a, a spot, then you're sure. Yeah. It's almost like a termite. Termite, just yeah. walking on the surface of some wood, not that much of a problem. The problem is when they get into the wood and there it is. 
Yeah. Then it's, uh, yeah, they start munching on it. So you just don't want them in there. Termites. Oh, other story. So, so anyway. th- this, this house, um, I think before we got on air here, you gave the, uh, the value of this house. What is that? It's selling for, it's selling for $30 million. Gotcha. And I have to ask, you know, $30 million house, your experience, everything you've done in the field from design, building, contracting, what's your favorite feature of that house? The favorite feature of the house is the, the location, of course, but the favorite feature is the fact it's an open floor plan, an open floor plan with concrete floors, durable floors that you can run around with your sandy feet. And, and it's basically a glass box. There's only one wall is solid. The interior courtyard's open, all glass, and the back of the house is all glass, and the dining room is a glass box. So if you look at the dining room right here, that di- that's the dining room. It's a glass box sticking off the living room. And then there's a courtyard. Wow. Yeah, and that would be one thing that I'd be worried about down by the beach. Like, if somebody walking in, it's like, ah, oh, sandy feet, no, salt everywhere. No, no, no. But in yeah. that situation with those concrete floors, you don't so much have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about anything here. And then the patio I'm standing is all concrete, you know, and there's concrete tiles. So it's easy maintenance. Everything's concrete. And that's a modern design. So if it was a Cape Cod or more of a um, traditional design, it would have ports or, you know, very durable stone. Same thing. You don't have to worry about it. It's because um, what I do with a lot of beach houses, I don't put the real wood down. I put porcelain that looks like wood down and they could drive a truck on it. You know, it's like it makes it easy. Wow. And I got, I totally have the visual, Julie. <laughs> I got it. And it's, it looks modern. It looks cool. Like when you say to somebody, yeah, I got concrete floors in my house. They'd be like, eh, no, they're good. <laughs> it's really nice. They're, they're kind of bulletproof and that you could do anything on them. And uh, it is a modern look. Sometimes it's too cold for people, but you can throw rugs down. It's fine. It's bulletproof. Yeah. And that, that would be my style. I like it clean, minimalistic. That's all good. So we talk about mm-hmm. the seven steps. Seven steps. There's a process to make sure that what you do in terms of your design gets done the way it should. So can we go over some of those? Okay. So here's the problem with a lot of people. They don't follow the steps or they just hire a contractor and they act as owner builder or they start their project without plans or they think I'll just swing it because it's my house and I'll make decisions along the way. Well, that's not good. So the point is I keep putting my foot up. Sorry, I'm stepping on the railing. I got to lean on something. Anyway, I'm, 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 by the I'm, way, yeah. you can't see me over here. I'm doing the same exact thing. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <It's balancing. laughs> anyway, I, um, you have to have a plan. And there's a lot of things a lot of contractors don't do is they don't have a plan or they don't follow a plan because maybe the client doesn't provide it. But my whole philosophy, because I do the architecture and the interior design and the space planning and all the specifications of the materials is it's all about planning, planning, planning. You know, measure twice, cut once. Also, that whole rule. But you got to plan, plan, plan. And my seven steps involve one step before you even buy the property. Because I just had a couple, unfortunately, buy a property for three point two million dollars, and they found out from me after looking at this property for ten years. They found out from me after they bought it that they can't build one single thing on it because of the condition of the soil, and they never thought to call an engineer or a soils engineer, or an architect to ask that question, they just assumed. Mm. And so you need to do your due diligence, which means, can I even build on this lot before I buy it? So that's number one. And then number two is hire the right designer team, architects, designers, engineers, and they need to get along. And then number three is, you know, submit to the city and have that team do that. There has to be a point person. 
And then number four is bidding it. And you get the bidding done early on so you can fix the plans that are missing stuff. So you don't start your construction until the plans are 100% complete because step five is build it, pull the permit and build it. There should be no changes or no questions or no decisions being made after the build. There's no reason for it because it's supposed to be done up front. And then step six is learn how to use your house, warranty maintenance, learn how to use the thermostats, you know, learn everything. Don't, you know, screw around with a guessing. And then number seven is lifetime maintenance is what I'm doing here. You got to love your home and take care of it on a yearly basis. And there's a, I have like 20 things that you can find on my little free checklist under the other website, Julie Lawton um, design build.com where my, um, where these seven steps are. So you can find it all at Julie Lawton design build.com. The one thing that is fantastic. Well, there are many things, but with what you do, it's a one-stop <laughs> shop. And yes. from experience, having built homes before, having been re- major renovation in a backyard, I made it tropical in New York. Um, oh, yeah. It was work because I had to keep tabs on all the contractors, everybody coming in from the cement to the brickwork, the pave, all of that. It's a lot of work. I don't want to do that work. <laughs> just no, want you don't. Work. It's ridiculous. No, it, the project management alone. I have to, I have people that actually manage for me because I used to do literally do the project management myself, and now I have someone help me type the schedule and type the everything out because I don't have time to sit there and type and sit on the computer because I like to be in my truck in person making decisions in the dirt. Sure. But you know, I I did that all myself, and I still do it. But I just have some people helping me type. But the amount of energy it takes to get to the job, meet with the contractor, meet with the sub, meet, and schedule everything—that alone is like majority of your day it's insane yeah you know yeah and and the c word comes up and the c word is coordination so you need to coordinate the schedules of the trades to come in to get the job done uh that in itself is a full-time job it's insane. no it's insane you can't just guess and, and what happens if you have good subs like mine and they're and they're on our team and they like to my subs will give me priority when i say hey let's go and this is when i need you they'll always be available but I have to know that a month, two months, three months, six months in advance, because we're all scheduling 10 jobs at one time. So we have to schedule each other, you know, and other jobs. You know, I'm scheduling 25 to 30 subs and I want them to show up on time. They have to know about it. I can't and I can't just guess. I have to actually have the right date. I want to go back to what you said before, the surprises that you find when you're going to buy a house. Now, we talked about the soil not being good in this one property that people were looking at for a long time. What are some of the other surprises that you've come across or, or heard about? Well, you find out there's, um, there's a uh, restrictive conditions to the property. There's zoning requirements because maybe there's a easement that you didn't know about or a city easement and you can't go as back as far back as you want on the property or so, or the house you bought is non-conforming. So it restricts you from adding to it because it's already overbuilt for the lot. So those are some of the first easy ones because that happens a lot. Even the brush, you know, there's some, there's covenants in communities where you have to retain, you know, 63%. But meanwhile, I'm buying the house. I want to put a pool in the back. No, you're not. (laughs) Not Yeah, that's what kills me because you never find this stuff out unless you actually go down to the city, talk to the homeowners because you won't find that out in the uh, inspection report that you get that just looks at your basic stuff. Right. You need to do research on that property and, and nobody's going to know that you actually got to go pull the file. 
What is the most challenging thing for you, Julie, when you're working on a project, be it a new construction or a renovation? What What is the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge is getting the client's head wrapped around what we're doing because they are telling me their dreams and they know exactly what they want, but they don't know how to get it. And then the hardest part is when they can't express what they want. So I have them just do flashcards and pictures. And then I get to the bottom of it because they could end up picking the same picture, you know, after 25,000 pictures. But mm. the thing is, we actually, I will get their style down. But the hardest part is taking their dreams and getting it on paper and having them understand the process and having them understand what we're doing. Because we're like doing this every day for 35 years. And, you know, when you have a house being built from scratch, and, 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 and delivered to the client is no different than a baby being conceived and born. That process is the same for construction, new build and construction remodel. There's no freaking mystery to it, but it's a mystery every time a client does it because they don't know the process and they don't understand it. And they have all this fear and the anxiety and then the money. They don't understand why when they ask for something, oh my God, it's another $10,000. So that's the hardest part is getting the client's head wrapped around what we're doing and not freaking them out either. You have your finger on the pulse of all the trends. And I love when we do this. I'm going to pick a room and I want you to tell me what's hot for that room in terms of trend and design. So I'm, I'm, I'm switching gears now from construction over to design, interior design. Let's look at bathrooms right now. What are people looking at? What are they, what are they asking for? What's trendy right now? Well, what's trendy is that the open bathroom, but the open wet room where you have the tub and the shower all open with a big shower head and you just, the room's wet. And then, and then they, what we do is we put a glass box around that room. So it literally doesn't spray the cabinets on the other side, but that's kind of the trend that's coming up is the larger open bathrooms with maybe a more of a wet room. I just did two of them. Mm. You know, we just walk in the tubs there, the showers there, you just run around the whole room naked and wet. You know, because you're showering one area, tub one area, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's fun. You know where I first saw that? In a, in a hotel, where? in a hotel. <laughs> oh, isn't it fun? Because it's, it's a thing. And now it's coming up more often. It's been around for a while, yeah. but it's not been, been that popular. Now it's like, I can say, because all the ladies I'm working with, they're picking it. <laughs> what about the cabinetry in a bathroom? What's hot right now? Well, you know, we all, we, you know, it's the modern look is what's hot and, um, you know, the cabinetry itself hasn't changed as, as essentially, except maybe you do the um, the raised kick plates. So there's no there's no bottom portion of the cabinet, just the floating box on the wall with the lights. Uh -huh. So it's not like that traditional heavy look. It's kind of a floating cabinet. You know, it's more spa like and maybe there's a shelf down there for stuff. But it's just a more floating slab door, real simple, you know, easy on the eye. I love the way you explain things, because right away I got what you're talking about. In terms, you know, with yeah. the floating oh. cabinet, which well, it. I'm an, I'm an artist. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> uh, when you go home, Julie, do you look around your place and say, you know, one of these days I'm going to do this, or you know, I could do that, or are you kind of over it by now? Here's the deal: I'm obsessive about stuff, and I could do anything I want, right? So when I bought my house, I did what I wanted, and I told myself, "We're not changing this, and this is it." So I picked my paint color and I did my floor in a limestone you could drive a truck on, which is another one of my favorite things, non-destructible. And I have my furniture all dark chocolate and gray walls. 
and I have cows, cowhide rugs from Argentina down and stainless steel furniture in the on the coffee tables and an art deco chair in the corner. And I'm never changing it. And my cabinets look like a mink coat, like a mink jacket. They're the wood stained like a mink jacket. So everything's warm and yummy with 25 watt light bulbs. And, and I have my artwork I like. like and no, I can't go there because it would be like changing shoes every day. No. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. So yes. And, and here's the thing. When you buy an outfit and you spend more on it with more thought to it, it's going to mm-hmm. last you. And that sounded, sounds oh, yeah. like what, what you did there. You, you planned it out back to the seven steps. You planned it out so that it's going to last. You know, you don't yeah. want to change it. No, I don't. And I've done everything customized how I wanted it and it still works. So I have a need, I have no need to change it because I have a suit I bought, I think 25 years ago. It's my power suit. I wear it to weddings, funerals, and court. And it's th- 3500 No, it was a $3,000 years ago. So it was super expensive, you know, 20 years ago. And I, and it's got this fabric. I don't know what it is, but it does not wear and, and tear. It's it's like brand new to this day. And I have one of those suits. <laughs> I do too. I know exactly what you're talking about. The only challenge is sometimes the, the pants get a little tight and some, you know, have to. Oh have, yeah, I did that. Mine got tight and I'm over that and I'm back down and wait and I'm good. Yeah. But to your point, when you do it right the first time, it, yeah. by the way, I look damn good in that suit and I'm sure you do too. And that's why it, yeah. right. It just, it fits right. And the fabric, I don't know what they did, but, and, and that suit I'm talking, yeah. I probably bought it's a, it. It's like a bulletproof fabric. I don't know what it is. It's like an Italian suit. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I, I think it was, I bought mine uh, 10 years ago, 12, whatever. I think I paid like 2,500 bucks for it. And that's a lot. Yeah. And it's good. And, but you know, I, that's the only one I have like that. <laughs> and it's yep. good stuff. Yeah. Show us around where you are. We've, we've seen a little okay, bit of it. So, so here's the deal. I'm at in South Laguna. So if you go to the north of me right there, that's the Montage Hotel, that whole point there. That's the Montage. You can look it up, Montage Resort. Gotcha. And um, and then if you go to the south of me and right out here is Catalina. It's a little cloudy, but there's a sailboat and Catalina's right through those clouds right there. Mm. It's right there, actually. Yep. And then you go south. If you can see far enough, right there's Mexico. If you could see far enough, Mexico Baja would would tip out right past that point. Wow! And so, and that's that's officially South. Laguna, right where that other come out. And then, if you could look up on top of the hills. You got all these McMansions, the houses that burned in that most recent fire at the top of this hill, that ridge. And then some of them are gone, but the rest are still there. My gosh. Um, so, we're getting, we're getting this way. And then here's the house and uh, it's Camel Printer, Richard. <laughs> there we go. Now, who, I, I lost you for, I got, I had you, but it, it jittered a little bit. I think you were at the edge of the uh, Wi-Fi. Who's coming out of that house right now? That's Richard, my head carpenter, who was my first employee 28 years ago or something. And he's wow. uh, 61 years old like me. He's old school carpenter. He can build a house with, with his bare hands, basically, in a, in a, in a um, skill saw. I mean, he's talented. Yeah. And that's where the creativity comes in. People like that, you throw them a popsicle stick and some glue and they'll build your house. 
I'm telling you, he can build anything. And when I was doing nine jobs at one time on the Belleville Peninsula in 2015, he did six homes at one time. And that's where I learned how to frame. So I put on the tool belt and picked up the nail gun and he taught me how to frame. And I did a living room and a bathroom, but I'll never do it again. It's wow. so much work. But you'll never forget it. And you know the back end I know of how it. to do it. Right. Oh, and my, it's, it's hard. When they go seamlessly and just start doing those walls real quick, it's hard. You got to have them. You know, he does quality precision, so the wood actually lines up, and he picks wood that's, you know, he picks the wood that doesn't have knots on the side so it doesn't twist after it's installed. You know, there's all these tricks to actually doing good framing. So uh, wow. we, 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 we like to do quality, and it starts with the beginning of the process and how to pick the wood and, and the plan. So, again, my motto is it all starts with a good plan, period. Julie, that's what makes you different because you— Yes, it you, is. I'm a stickler. I'm, uh, yeah, yes. And I'm not just, you know, saying this because we're on here together. You, you know, the other side of construction, you've been in the trenches, yes. you've held the hammer where there are some people oh. that are great, you know, in terms of designing, but don't really know the other side of it. And that's yeah, a and, game changer. And, yeah. And there's, even, and there's contractors out there that are paper contractors and they run their people ragged and they ask for things that are unrealistic because they don't know what it really takes. Exactly. You can't, you can't tell somebody to do something if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about and you haven't actually lived it and stood in the dirt and done it. Absolutely. So I, I'm very careful to not, yeah, I know what I'm talking about when I, you know, give orders because I know. So I have, a, I have a personal question. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, what's on your hand? Is that a tat or is that you wrote on your hand? This is me taking notes. I knew it. Today, because I was in a rush and I was in the car and somebody told me something. And I don't know what it is about my cell phone. I don't use it for notes. And I wrote down the size of an air conditioner unit and what we had to do to it and how much it would cost. Fantastic. <laughs> because I was afraid I couldn't remember it because my memory from using the cell phone which I don't even use for notes. I was just in a panic. I go, I got to write this down because in five minutes, I won't remember what the guy just told me because I'm so busy and the phone's ringing and people are talking to me. So I was like, I, so this is what I was known for 20 years ago, standing in the dirt. I would just write on my hand or my arm and everybody would just hand me a piece of paper. And I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> You'll never lose it. You'll never lose it. I know. <laughs> and I was just quicker. I don't mind, and I can just go in the bathroom and wash this off. It's of a felt tip. It's not a Sharpie. <laughs> uh, uh, 100%. There's so many times I've been in the car, and i got to take something down real quick, and I'm rifling through, I don't know, credit cards, you know, any scrap of paper. I should just no, write it on I my can't hand. stand that. And I, I, years ago, I don't know what it was, but I started doing this years ago, and I was like, fuck it, I'm writing on my arm. I don't care. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Seriously. And and guess what? Again, you won't forget it until you transcribe it to something else. And yeah, because sometimes sure. I put it there because I need to remember it later. But I do carry loose sheets of paper in my truck and everything I need to know. I just grab it while I'm driving and write a note and throw it on the pile instead of so I can write big. And here's my note. And I throw it on the pile on my seat when I'm pulled over at a stoplight. But I do keep loose sheets of paper in the truck to um, make notes all day long. Then I compile my list at the end of the day when I get home in front of the computer. But when I was writing this, I was in my um, worker's truck and there was no paper. <laughs> well, like you said, with your carpenter there, we're old school and there's nothing wrong with that. I think the old school uh -huh. is, is the new school. <laughs> or should yes. Be. No, it's funny yeah. because the people I work with are all old school and quality. I don't work with people that cut corners or think they got some new way to do this. There is no way to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the way it's been done for generations when it was done the right way. Uh, Julie, yes. how do we find you? What's your website? 
JulieLawton.com. It's so easy. JulieLawton, L-A-U-G-H-T-O-N.com. There's a lot of great stuff on there, design ideas, pictures, galleries, and, uh, and of course, Julie. Uh, great having you on here, and thanks for uh, taking us on a tour of a, uh, a 30-something million dollar close to house. You're very welcome, and happy uh, uh, summer time from the beach in Laguna Beach, everyone, and uh, we'll see you next week. I am so jealous. <laughs> and you, and you know what? Than, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I am going outside at this point right now. I need to get some sunshine and fresh air. Come on. Yep. You got a couple hours left of sunshine. Do it. I do. Yeah. I mean, we're three hour difference here, but definitely do. Julie, I appreciate you and I look forward next time we talk. Thank you. Talk to you soon, Steve. Thanks. We'll be right back. Bye. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup.